with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. So we're going to start. If you're not, you know, connected with the series we've been doing, it's called Following the King. You know, Jesus came as the King, and we are learning about what it looks like to make Him King of our life. Not just Savior, but also example, model, Lord, King. So that's what this series is all about. I'm going to actually read a couple of scriptures before we dive into our passage, okay? That or in Matthew that I think really bring context for what we're talking about today. So I'm going to kind of jump around and then I'll, I'll read our passage and then I'll read one more passage after it. So Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now verse 19. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 5, 1 and 2. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and here we go for this morning. No one can serve, you guys want to stand with me as I read it? You don't need to read with me. I'm just going to read it to you. But just stand with me as we read it. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than birds? Think about that for a second. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his family? Who here can make their life longer by worrying? And why are you anxious about clothing? None of you are naked right now. <laughs> Consider the, lily, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Just stay standing for one more second. And Jesus came and said to his 12 apostles, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, go, therefore, go, therefore, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Lord, I just pray that we would not just hear your son's words this morning and not take them seriously. We refuse to hear these verses if we've heard them before. We refuse to be familiar with this scripture. We refuse to be complacent, God. We are Navy SEALs in enemy territory. Will you radicalize our hearts to the reality of the situation right now? Lord, I pray that as we hear these words this morning, wherever there's shame or voices of guilt in our life or um, places where we feel a little bit of condemnation, that would just be silenced in Jesus' name. That we would hear your word purely, that we would hear your voice, not our own voice and not our wounds or our past life or the voice of the enemy. That we would be present. I just release grace over everyone in the room to be fully present with the Holy Spirit and with you this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you're choosing to be with us right now. We have access to your presence in your life, in your person. So we turn our hearts to you, God. And we esteem you as King and Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can sit down. So, I titled this morning, Missionless Syndrome, because that's what Jesus is talking about in the passage that was on the screen. He's talking about what happens in our mind, in our thought life, and in our heart when we forget the verses that I read before our passage and when we forget the verses that I read after the passage. When we get caught up in a life that consists of my house, my job, my kids, my car, what am I gonna eat? What did I watch last night? What vacation did I recently go on? Whatever, all these things that are kind of like orbiting around us in life. And there's so much, right? We can, we can let that start to become the narrative of our life. We can start to let the story of our life be us. Do you know what I'm saying? We can start to let the driving um, narrative, the story, the, the way we think about what's happening be our immediate experiences rather than our assignment and our mission from heaven. And so like it's easy to read this passage. Like who, just, just by a show of hands, interact with me a little bit. Who's familiar with this, the passage that was on the screen? Who's heard it before? I've heard it so much and I haven't always put it in the context of my mission. I've sometimes thought about it in the context of Wilson's story. You know, like, I grew up playing sports. 
And then I got a best friend, Luke. And Luke and I hung out all the time. And I hung out with his little brothers. And then we got into metal music. And we started screaming in my parents' garage. And, um, and then we started getting in trouble. And we'd meet up at schools late at night to fight people. And then the police came. And Luke's dad was like, the band is over. Band is done, you know? And then we got caught stealing. And then I kissed a girl, and then I became obsessed with a girl, you know, and then I started jacking off all the time, and then I started trying to manage my hormones, and like, I have this story. I, then I went to college, you know, um, and I was trying to say, what am I going to do in college? Oh, I'm pretty depressed. I don't know what I'm going to do, blah, 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 and, but it's cool to be out on my own. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I lived a life. I lived a story, you know? I have this existence that's like very... Um, I'm very aware of. And what I was doing was I was living in Wilson's story rather than living in God's story. We can easily live in our story rather than placing our story in the context of God's story. We need to place our life in the context of God's story. Okay? And, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. When he says, um, doesn't God provide for the birds of the air? Doesn't God um, cause the grass to look beautiful? It's because God set a system in place where the birds um, get food. You know, like there's, there's, a creative, there's a creative order that's going on that Jesus is trying to touch on. There's a design he's talking about. So if we live outside of God's design, then we have reason to be anxious about our life. When Wilson was living his story, I had reason to be anxious about my life. But when I step into God's story, the reason to be anxious for my life radically decreases. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me just do a really quick comment because it's just on my mind. I made a comment before about jacking off. And the point of that was to be real with you guys, okay? Yeah. Like, that, I was just trying to explain my story to you, okay? So I'm sorry if that threw anybody off. But like the U.S. military... If the US military goes to war, are we nervous, us in this room, about them getting enough bullets when they're over in Iraq fighting a war? Who feels nervous about that? Who's like, oh man, I just really hope they get their bullets. I just don't know, you know, in America, if we're gonna be able to provide bullets for our soldiers. I hope they have enough food, like, oh man, are they gonna be able to eat? What about their cars? Are their cars going to run out of gas? Are they going to be able to do this? No, right? <laughs> like, none of us think that way. Because it's America, the richest, most powerful, wealthy nation on earth. A literal empire. It has, like, a crazy, ridiculous military, you know? We could take on, like, every single nation in the world at once, unless Russia and China jumped in, right? Like, we could beat all of them at once. How much more... Will our country, will our president, will our God provide our bullets, our weapons, our 
milk and gasoline when we are living on his mission. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what Jesus is talking about here. I, Jesus came with a mission. That first passage I read about him preaching the kingdom. He came on a mission to establish God's kingdom on earth. You know that God put Eden, boom, on earth. And Eden was supposed to be like a picture of heaven on earth. That's what we're supposed to think of when we see Eden. When we see Eden. And he said, hey, Adam and Eve, spread Eden over all of the earth. Spread my kingdom over the entire earth. And they're like, okay, we'll do that. And then they're like, actually, we're going to disobey you and let Satan into the earth, and he's going to start wreaking havoc on the earth. And then God was like, ah, oh, okay, I'm going to flood the earth because this is so wicked, and I'm going to try again. And he goes after it, and, you know, everything's happening. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but we get, to, um, we get to Jesus coming on the scene, and Jesus says, hey, Eden's back, baby. The Eden man is here. And I'm going to start spreading Eden over the whole earth. You know how like your uncle died recently? Well, I'm going to come and heal his uncle because that's not my will. Like this is what Eden looks like on earth. So Jesus came and said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey, everyone, stop thinking the way you're thinking because Eden is available again. Eden power, Eden life, Eden love is available again and I'm bringing it. Me, I'm embodying it right now to you. Grab hold of me and you will experience eternal life. In John, and Jesus says, eternal life is to know me. Eternal life is not a state of our existence. It's a state of our relationship. When we're in relationship with Jesus, we have eternal life. So Jesus comes on the scene preaching this message. And then he says, Abby and Mark, follow me. Abby and Mark, follow me. He says, Bill and Bill's girlfriend, I can't remember your name, follow me. Yeah. Michael and Jill, follow me. Yeah. He came on earth and said that to people. Yes. My old neighbor's children, follow me. I can't remember your guys' names, I'm sorry. <laughs> follow, like... He's saying that to us. <laughs> when you got saved, you're no different than the apostles. He chose you and said, hey, follow me. So they're like, okay, we're going to go. Let's do this. We're going to follow you. And then he says, hey, everyone, come here. I'm going to teach you something. Those people I just said to follow me, though. Mark and Abby, Bill and his girlfriend, my old neighbor's children, <laughs> Jill and Michael. Come here. Come up here. Come on. Just for sake, will you guys really come up here for a second? Everyone I said, the people I said. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be funny or embarrass you at all, but this is like gonna help us see this. All right, come on, guys. All right, so I'm Jesus in this scenario, everybody. Hey, guys, I, I wanna teach you something, okay? I wanna teach you something. You're blessed when you're poor in spirit because then the kingdom is yours. Everyone in the world, they want to be tough. But when you're poor in spirit, you're representing the kingdom of heaven. When you're meek in your heart, when you're humble, that's representing my kingdom. Hey, if something horrible happens in your life, I want you to weep and cry and mourn because I'll come and comfort you. 
I will come into you. I will come close to you in that moment. And then he goes, guys, look, I know you grew up in Judaism. I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets. I'm the fulfillment of everything they ever talked about. It's me. Okay, you guys can go sit down. And everyone else, you're just listening in on Jesus' conversation with them. The ones that Jesus said, hey, come follow me, and I want to teach you how to operate in my kingdom. Everyone else in the room, you were just listening in to those people that were fishermen that I said, hey, follow me, do kingdom work, and I'm going to teach you how to operate in the kingdom. So then when he says, don't be anxious about your physical or about your provisions, it's in the context of following me and accomplishing my mission. It's not in the context of Wilson was in a metal band, then he got in trouble, then he went to YWAM, da 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 da. That's not the context that we don't need to be anxious about provision. If you're living your own story, you should be anxious about provision, okay? I have bad news for you this morning. If you're not living in God's story, you should be very anxious about provision, okay? The good news is, when you're living in God's story, you don't need to be anxious about, his, about receiving the provision you need. Yesterday, I was at a creek with my kids in Winton Woods and caught a bunch of crawdads. And I was, trying to, I was gonna cross the creek and there was a big rock and the rock was outside of the water. So, you know, there's, there's water everywhere then there's a big old rock and it's not underwater, okay? And I kind of hesitated, like, should I step on that rock? Will I get wet if I step on that rock? And then I stepped on it, and you know what I remembered? Rocks don't float. <laughs> like, ro rocks don't, did you know that? That no rocks ever float. That's not a thing rocks do. They always sink. God provides for people on mission. He always provides for people on mission. <laughs> He's not going to fail to supply the needs of our mission. So that's the big picture, okay? But we're still going to experience anxiety about provision. <laughs> no matter how many times I preach this sermon to us, we're frail, weak humans that have been born again that don't belong to this kingdom anymore, that have the life of God flowing through our physical bodies, and yet still I have been born of a woman and I still live on this plane, on this earth, and I still carry that flesh that will die. So I'm like a, I'm a person from another age that still has some of his old age hanging on, okay? Not, not a sinful part of me, there's not like, I'm not like sinful on the inside. I'm just still weak. Because I haven't um, been glorified like Jesus yet. You know that Jesus lived a life of some weakness, of weakness. He got thirsty, hungry, tired. He said, God, I do not want to go to the cross. Can we make another way? He, he was fearful of that pain that was going to come. So we're still gonna experience anxiety, no matter how much we have this message preached to us. But 
There's a couple more core truths I wanna pull out that help us frame the anxiety and, sh and shift away from it. Uh, then Nick is gonna come up and share just some uber practical skills and, skills and tips for calming yourself, for being mindful, for practically dealing with anxiety when it comes upon you, okay? So verse 24 said this, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is kind of like a stark, blunt statement. <laughs> the implication is this, of this is, either, is that everyone either has money as their master or God as their master. Ultimately, that's how we're living. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious, da, 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 because if you choose the right master, why would you be anxious? Depending on the master you choose determines whether or not you should go into anxiety about provision or not. The question is not, will we go into anxiety? The question is, is it logical? Is it reality to go into anxiety? Of course we will, but we can call ourselves back to remembrance. Oh, 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 my master is the richest person ever. I'm on his mission. I don't need to be anxious. Like, honestly, that's just a logical thought pattern. Does that, like, connect with anyone else, that logical thought pattern? Like, America's gonna get the bullets it needs to its soldiers. God is gonna get the provision to us that we need when we choose him as our master. If we don't intentionally submit to the right master, we will unintentionally, we will... <laughs> If we don't intentionally submit to the right answer, we will unintentionally submit to the wrong master. And who our Lord is will determine what we seek. I just wanna show you what a couple pictures of in our body it looks like to submit to our master. This is one of the bodily forms of submitting to our master. The band is up here, da, 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 and we go like this. Or we go like this. Or we go like this. I love you, God, da, 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 blah, blah. You know, in our physical body, when we use it to express worship and love, what we're doing is we're submitting to God in a holistic way. If you only submit to God in your heart and in your mind, that's not full submission to God. I really believe that when we come in here and worship on Sundays, none of this is meant to be any condemnation at all because I used to think worship was the most boring thing in the world, okay? Like, so this isn't a uh, hope, yeah. I really believe that when we come in here on Sundays and when we're in our quiet time worshiping or whatever, it's an actual test for us. It's a proving ground of submission. Will you submit? your heart and your mind, because we'll all do that, right? 
all of us will immediately say, I'll submit my heart and my mind to God. But will you submit your body? Will we submit our bodies to him? This is one of the keys if you're dealing with sexual temptation or same-sex attraction. Will I submit my body to God? Will I submit my body to God? When we look at ourselves as, as our whole embodied person impacts our worship, it clarifies things for me. It, 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 call, it wakes me up like, oh, wait, wait, wait. He's my king. What do you do with kings? Well, you, you worship them. <laughs> and worship doesn't look like this. And I'm not saying that that's wrong to do when we're singing. But I'm just saying that worship is, a, is more than just standing. Worship is holy, open-hearted expression of love. And so if the expression you want to do is raise your hands, or the expression you want to do is this, or the expression you want to do is this, then give in. S submit to the king. There's so many people in this room that inspired me so much in worship. Laura Weibel, Ellie, Tori. I've watched all of you guys worship because I'm ADD. Like, if I'm in a room of people, I can't just focus on one thing. I'm gonna, every once in a while, I'll look around. And I see Tori worshiping and, and waving his arm. And I see Laura, Laura, like, you know, whatever, just drinking in God. I see Ellie dancing up here on stage. And it provokes and it inspires me to be free with my body towards the Lord. You see, we'll use our body in freedom for all kinds of things. But then for some reason, when we come together as a church family, people who are going to spend eternity together, we're reticent to express ourselves in bodily form around one another. And I just want to tell you, be free of that reticence. Submit to your master with your body. Do a whole body experience of worship. Not just your tongue and your voice and not just your legs rising off the chair, which that's good, that's honor. But take it to the next level and you'll see his lordship become more real in your life. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? This statement, O you of little faith, or little faith, that's one word in the Greek, and it appears six times in the Bible, all six times in Matthew. And all six times is Jesus talking to his twelve. To his Mark and Abby, Bill and his girlfriend, my old neighbor's children, and Jill and Michael. It's like, I'm hanging out with them. We're doing life. We're talking. And then um, someone's like, has an issue. Here, let me show you one of the examples. So, you know, like, we're sailing across a lake, and a crazy, crazy storm comes up. By the way, I just healed a ton of people and multiplied food, and I raised someone from the dead like 10 minutes ago. And we're on a lake, and Michael Ritzy is just freaking out. You know, he's just going nuts. He's so scared. And I get up, I'm like, all right, guys, which Michael wouldn't do that. I would be the one freaking out if we were in the boat with Jesus. But 
I just gave you guys authority. You're just healing people. I was just raising people from the dead. I just literally multiplied food, okay? Like there was only one piece of food and I made a thousand. I did that. Wind, stop, okay? We're done, wind. And I'm like, guys, where's your, where's your like trusting? Where's trusting me in this moment? Like, you guys were there when I did that stuff, right? You saw the kingdom breaking in. Remember that, okay? Remember that next time. Oh, you have a little faith. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, Never mind, I'm not going by faith. Okay. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So it's what we seek first. It's what we seek first. Think about that. First. I'm just going to keep on harping on worship, okay? What's the first thing we're willing to do with our body? Eat. Um hug someone think what's the top thing you would do with your body have sex with your spouse like what's the top thing you would do with your body that's what you're seeking with your body that's what you're seeking with your body so we want to seek first God with our body that's the point I'm trying to make that's what it looks like to seek first the kingdom of God, is that he would be the first thing on, that gets our body's attention and response. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I'm just going to go like three more minutes and then bring Nick up. So my wife has been on staff at this church for a bunch of years. Um, with me just maybe a year and a half after I came on staff, she came on staff. She was half, she was part-time, like about 20 hours. And then when we had our first child, she reduced down to like eight or something like that. And for the last five years, she's been about super part-time at the church, helping like coordinating weddings, um, helping with School of the Kingdom ministry, the administrative side, the old executive pastor before me, she helped him with, with uh, financial tracking, something like that. And we've been, this paper clip, man, I just can't leave it on the ground. Um, but every time I lift my Bible up, it flies off the podium. Um, she and I were talking and she's just feeling more and more compelled. Like I'm not supposed to be working at the church right now. Like the things I'm called to do at church are lead worship, or lead a women's Bible study. Um, I mean, we all know she's called to preach. Who is here and she preached? That was amazing. But I don't feel like the, 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 the calling of God for me is to be coming to staff meetings and to be coordinating weddings, et cetera, et cetera. But I do feel like the calling on my life is to be all in 24-7 with Haya, Silas, and Harvest, our five, three, and one-year-old. That's where I feel like God is saying, I'm anointed and called to be right now. And I was like, yeah, I get it. But I feel called for us to have about $300 more 
in our bank account at the end of every month. <laughs> I really strongly feel the Lord is on that. <laughs> and so we talked to close friends, my parents, got counsel, and just said, you know, <laughs> we're gonna, she's gonna leave, she's gonna leave staff, she's gonna leave that role, because that's not what seeking first, that is diminishing what God is saying seek first the kingdom right now looks like for her. So she stepped down and that was like, do you remember like May maybe or something? <laughs> My parents have no idea. Um, it was earlier, oh, 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 it was July. June was her last month and I was sitting on my porch getting ready for this sermon about four weeks ago, rocking on my daughter, my daughter to sleep and reading the, this passage in my, on my phone in the Bible. I was like, cool, okay, I'm gonna preach on. And in my Bible, what I've written next to this section is anxiety about provision. That's what I wrote down like years ago. And um, I was like, all right, so I'm gonna preach on this, but I have a lot of anxiety about provision right now is how I felt. I was like, dang, I'm gonna talk about this though. I was like, okay. I was just processing the passage. What's it mean? You know, what's this really mean? Okay. It, it means that if we're seeking first the kingdom, we don't need to be anxious about provision. If that's what we're living, if that's what we're doing, we don't need to be anxious about provision. It's like, all right. I'm going to stop being anxious about my family's $300 loss of income every month. I'm going to stop being anxious about that. And I just want to tell you, honestly, since then, that has been an anchor point for me. I'm not saying I don't ever think about it still, but that was like a light bulb moment. Like it was like God, it was like just truth from heaven hit my head and my heart. And I was like, okay, on that basis, on the basis of my master's words, I don't need to be anxious about our provision anymore. And I've walked forward like that since then. So I just want to encourage you as one application of my sermon, Nick, you can start to come up here or just actually come up here, um, is for you to think, where am I on mission? Is there anywhere that I'm, is there anything I'm doing that's not on mission that God's maybe calling me to stop doing? Am I supposed to reduce in some ways? And then I want you to write down a list. Where am I, where do I know God has called me here? And then think about all the different provision that you need to accomplish that mission and you can just be confident that you're gonna get it. Because you're living where you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I made a, a lot more practical points for us on how to get back on mission. I think I'll post it or on social media this week. So if you don't have an Instagram, you should get one. But, um, so you can get some of my practical points. But come on over, bro. So Nick, who knows Nick? Come on. So Nick and I have grown up together. Um, his parents were some of the first leaders in our church, led the prayer ministry for a long time. But uh, Nick started pursuing a counselor's degree how long ago? Uh, 2018. 2018. When did you finish? 2020. Sweet. So part of the backstory for Nick is as he was doing his degree, he was experiencing panic attacks, anxiety attacks, and basically like nervous breakdowns. And he journeyed through that struggle and now counsels and... Um, 
he's like a kind of, one of his specialties, things he's most passionate about is how do we process anxiety and panic? So I just wanted him to share basic principles and tips, give us really practical tools to put in our hands this morning about that, okay? So take it away, bro. Cool, thank you, thank you. You guys got 10 minutes left in you? Is that all right? All right. Um, yeah, such a good day so far. Um, man, worship was awesome. Great message, Will. So seek first the kingdom. That, that it just ties in so perfectly with uh, kind of what I had on my heart to share with you guys when Will asked just for some practical tips. But, you know, the field of mental health, it, I mean, it's not like it's discovered anything crazy revolutionary that isn't already dis been discovered through Jesus, you know, like, so these truths that we're learning seek first the kingdom, what we focus on, what are we focusing on, that, I mean, that's, that's everything when it comes to anxiety, and so, um, you know, so, so real quick, what, the way I would describe anxiety is more kind of um, general, it can happen kind of over time, and then there's like a panic attack, which is like in the moment, like, Panic rises up in your body, you know, your mind starts racing, your heart starts pounding, you start sweating, that sort of thing. Um, so I just want to give you guys a tool um, for each of those, okay? And to kind of frame it, um, I love this illustration. I didn't come up with it. Um, but to help understand how the brain works, um, everybody go like this. Make a fist with your thumb inside. A fist with your thumb inside. Okay, so this is a super simple, um, and you don't have to hold it up the whole time, but this is a super simple example of how the brain works. Okay, so you got the brain stem coming up here. Your thumb in this example is like the instinctual part of your brain. Okay, so it's called the limbic system. It is um, very quick acting, but it is not logical. It, it, it's deep down there. And it's the thing that's going to save your life if you are in a split-second decision needs to be made. You know, cars coming at you on the road. You need to dive out of the way. That's the part of your brain that saves your life. Okay, on the outside, the fingers represents the more logical part of the brain. So the cortex, it's higher up. Uh, it forms later. Um, and which is why, you know, we hopefully get more reasonable as we get older, um, as our brain develops. Um, and so when we are in a surge of panic or like a surge of anger or a surge of, of anxiety, basically flooded with any type of emotion like that, um, what happens, and, and the phrase is you flip your lid, okay? So, so that logical part goes away, it goes into low power mode, and that limbic system is running the show. And it, it runs a bit of a crazy show, okay? So that is why we say the things that we regret in a burst of anger. That is why you have a panic attack, and in that moment, you feel like, like the world is ending. And so what we need is grounding for this part of our brain, and we need perspective for this part of our brain, okay? And so, like Will's message, everything in there, seek first the kingdom, what are we shifting our minds to? That's, I mean, that's exactly what we need to be using this part of our brain for, to, to make the decision, what am I going to choose 
to focus on. It's a choice that we get to choose. Um, so real quick, we need this part of our brain to calm down before this part can come back on, okay? And so I just want to get to teach you guys a quick tool which you can use in your own life or you can use uh, with someone else if they are having a panic attack or um, you can use this as a parent with your kids because this happens to kids when they're throwing a, a tantrum, you know, that, that it's the same thing. You know, adults throw tantrums too. Uh, and so that's what is happening when, when your kids feel like, uh, you know, they're just going crazy, not, not thinking straight. Um, so what we need to do is be grounded, okay? That means being present, being in the moment. So again, what are we focusing on? Anxiety, panic, want to take your mind to other things, but what we need is grounding. We need presence, okay? And so <clears throat> um, five senses, okay? You have five senses, and if you engage those five senses, it is extremely grounding. It brings you to the present moment. You become aware of what is currently in the room with you, all right? And so the five senses tool is so simple. Um, I uh, use it with almost all my clients because it's just, it's so easy to remember, but it's just five, four, three, two, and one, going through the five senses, okay? And so we're going to do it together in here, and you don't even have to say anything. You can just become aware of it, and, and it, still, it still does the trick, okay? So right now, everyone become aware of five things that you can see in the room, Five things. Just notice them. And if you're, if you're doing this in the moment, you, you can say them out loud. You know, that has another grounding effect to it, to say them out loud. But just for our purposes, five things that you can see. Okay, now four things that you can feel. Okay, so this could be like your back against the chair. Can you feel that? Can you feel your feet on the ground? Can you feel whatever your arms, hands are touching? You know, pick up your Bible, your pen, your phone, whatever. What can you feel? Four things that you can feel. Now, three things that you can hear. This is always a fun one because it's, it, you become aware of, you know, like that ticking clock or like your watch or uh, the air conditioning system in the room. And you weren't w aware of that before. So becoming aware of that increases uh, your grounding and your presence in that moment. Okay, now, the last two, smell and taste, two and one. You know, sometimes you can't immediately smell something, and so what I would say is if you can't smell two things, just imagine those smells, you know, so freshly baked cookies coming out of the oven, mmm, what does that smell like? Imagine that, that has its own grounding effect. Okay, so two things you can smell, one thing you can taste. So you have a piece of gum, coffee, whatever, one thing you can taste. Five, four, three, two, one. That will calm down a panic attack because, or an anger outrage. Those are just the two examples that are coming to mind. Because in those moments, you don't need to speak to your reason. You need to speak to your body. And, and that is, is this part of your brain controlling that right there. Okay? So... Now we're back online, boom, we got our logical reasoning, we're, we feel human again. Um, 
And I have two minutes. All right. Uh, so here is, is this um, trick that I, a, a tool that I came up with, and I loosely based it on the Psalms, okay? I call it zoom in, zoom out. Now, if you look at some of the Psalms, a lot of them start out with the psalmist pretty much just venting, pretty much just like on a rant, it seems like. He's just like, God, where are you? You know, kill my enemies. You know, ah, I'm just dying here. You know, he's just getting it all out, hyper-focused on his situation. That would be the zoom-in part, and I think that's so important. I think we learn a lot from the Psalms about healthy emotional processing because, you know, David, those other psalmists, they weren't just stuffing it. They were actually getting it out, and that's healthy. But you don't stay there. You zoom back out, and you try to get more perspective on the situation. And so if, if I'm doing this on a piece of paper, I just draw a line down the center, zoom in, boom, start writing. How am I feeling about this situation? What are, what are all of my thoughts going through my head right now? Um, you know, emotions, just get them all out. And then, you know, sit in that as long as you need to, as long as you need to process through that. But make that switch to the zoom out where you ask yourself questions such as, uh, you know, what would it look like to seek first the kingdom in this situation? You know, what is God's perspective on this? A question I like to ask is, will this matter a year from now? That's a good perspective shifting question. Am I gonna be worried about this situation a year from now? Um, another question you could ask is, are there any solutions that I've missed that I'm overlooking? So you just broaden your perspective, you zoom out, and uh, again, that, that brings on this higher level thinking of the brain where we're actually making these switches to seek first the kingdom. And so, it, I mean, it really is all about focus. It's, it's where are we focusing. What you focus on grows in your awareness. And, and, and that's just, you know, that's just brain science. What you focus on grows. And so where's our focus? Get grounded, get perspective. There you have it. That's good. What it makes me think about is one of the things you're pulling out is that we are a we're in a body that's having a reaction. The limbic thing is going off. Just thinking the right thoughts isn't gonna help you in that moment. Just declaring truth or whatever isn't enough sometimes. Becoming grounded in our body with that tool of five, four, three, two, one. Right, right. And, and you know, other things that you see, you know, like meditation, so meditating, you know, on like a verse from the Bible or, or anything is also very, grounding. And so if we think about, you know, like uh, someone like David or just any of us kind of doing the zoom out, zoom in, zoom out approach, we start by just relaxing, getting grounded, calming down, focusing on Jesus, who he is, all that good stuff, and just our environment. And then we can broaden our perspective. So good. Super helpful, bro. Thank you. Yep. Let me just pray for everyone really quick. Father, your father. We just remind you that your daddy, your provider, I pray those tools Nick just gave us would stick in our head 
Imprint those, God, on our hearts and our minds so we remember 54321 and zoom in, zoom out, Lord. Help us to remember that and practice that. But we commit ourselves to seeking first your kingdom. We honor you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.